0: Hey my whizzes, you are listening to episode 55 of the Food Biz Whiz podcast and today we're talking about three things that I wish I could have said to food and beverage founders when I was a grocery buyer. In today's show I'm going to give you some tough love straight from the buyer's mouth. Keep on listening to hear the things that I wish I could have said directly to brands when I was a buyer but I couldn't. I'm sharing my real thoughts in today's show. So let's get to it. You're listening to Food Biz Whiz, the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Ali Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going. This episode is sponsored by Retail Ready, my online course for emerging food brands who are looking to grow their wholesale business. I've been teaching Retail Ready for three years, and I've had over 150 brands enroll in the course. Through videos and workbooks and checklists and templates and live coaching calls with me, plus 24 7 access to me and my team in our private online group, Retail Ready has all the tools that you need to increase your sales through wholesale accounts, whether that's in traditional brick and mortar outlets or through e-commerce platforms. I'd love to see you join us when the course opens again. So jump on the waitlist to be the first to know when I welcome new students. You can find that waitlist in today's show notes or at foodbizwiz.com under the heading retail ready. All right, my whizzes, are you ready to hear what I really wanted to say to brands when I was in my buying role? In today's show, I'm sharing three things that I wish every brand knew before they came knocking on my door, asking me to carry their products. If you're joining for the first time, I'll tell you the 30 second background on me. I'm a former grocery buyer, head of grocery and retail store manager. I got my start working as a buyer at Byright Market in San Francisco back when it was a single store on 18th street. Through the years that I was there, Byright became nationally known as a good food mecca. They published a book and went on a national tour and spread the word about sustainable food and farm to table purchasing in the grocery store and that the importance of supporting better for you brands on shelf. I was really fortunate to be at BuyRight during this rapid growth period. It was nuts. And over the years there, my role shifted away from grocery buying and into the role of head of grocery and retail store manager as we opened up our second location, visit right, Divisadero. My department, the grocery department, did over seven million dollars in sales the first year that we opened. Diviz it was about a three thousand square foot store. It's crazy, and I managed about three thousand SKUs in that department. I left Buyrite. Six years ago, in early 2014, to start my consulting business. I split my time. So half of my time was spent working with retail stores around the country, helping grocery teams with their operations, training their buying teams, and helping them understand ordering, merchandising, and inventory management. The other half was help helping emerging brands understand how to land on those grocery store shelves and how to have high sales once you do. Over the past few years of consulting, I, or excuse me, over the first few years of consulting, I slowly shifted more and more of my focus to working with producers as that's where my true passion lied. That's where, that's why I loved grocery buying in the first place, right? And after all, if I wanted to continue training buyers and doing inventory management, I would have just stayed at buy right. So fast forward six years, and now the only way that I work with food businesses is through Retail Ready, my online course for food and beverage brands looking to gain more wholesale accounts and land on more shelves, whether that's a physical shelf or a digital shelf. I'm in year four of teaching Retail Ready, and we've had just about 400 brands work with us through that program. I I mean you guys can tell I'm incredibly proud of it and it's one of one of my favorite things to do within Retail Ready once my students trust me is to give that tough love to my students and teach them the real thoughts of a grocery buyer and then how to use that knowledge to craft a brand that actually succeeds on shelf. So all that being said, my ultimate goal is to peel back the curtain of wholesale and to share with you the behind the scenes of grocery so that you have a better chance of succeeding in this wild world of retail. This episode is going to highlight the three things, well three things out of many, I'll say that, that that I wish I could have said to brands who knocked on my door when I was a buyer. I'm sharing with these, these with you today so that you Don't make these mistakes as you approach new accounts. And so that hopefully (laughs) some grocery buyer out there has a little bit easier of a day knowing that I am doing my best to help spread the word for them. After all, you guys probably know this, it's hard to get a grocery buyer to talk, right? So let me tell you the three things and then we'll go into detail on each one. So number one, as a grocery buyer, I don't care that your product is delicious. Number two, (laughs) I won't work with you if you are annoying. And number three, you don't have to have the highest sales in your category. You just can't have the lowest. All right, ready to get into a little bit more detail on each one? Let's do this. My first buyer truth is a big one that we reiterate over and over in Retail Ready. As a buyer, I don't care that your product is delicious. Now, you might be thinking, wait, like what? (laughs) Allie, you are a grocery buyer. Your ultimate goal is to sell delicious food that your shoppers want to buy. Yes and no, my whizzes. Here is the real deal. Every single brand, every single one of you listening thinks your product is delicious. After all, if you don't think that your product is the best ever, what the heck are you doing In business. (laughs) But the challenge is just that. If we all think that our product is the tastiest, the freshest, the most values driven, the best source, the most sustainable, blah, 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 right? It is simply not true. You, the producer, obviously go into business because you think that your product's the best, right? If you didn't think that, you wouldn't work so hard creating and promoting your product and figuring out how to grow your business. The truth here is that taste is subjective. You might think that you make the best ketchup of all time, but I guarantee you that lots of people are still going to prefer the flavor of Heinz. You might think that your small batch cider made with heirloom varietals is the most delicious beverage ever, But there are a whole lot more people who turn to Angry Orchard (laughs) when they go to the grocery store, okay? So when you craft a buyer pitch that is centered around how delicious your product is, you lose a buyer's interest almost immediately. I wanted to scream from the rooftops that the taste of your product is only one tiny factor that goes into whether or not I'll carry your brand, Okay, so as a buyer, my ultimate goal is to have high sales in my categories. My sales numbers help me achieve my financial goals that revolve around margin milestones or reducing shrinkage or some other financial indicator. And the taste of your product is not what convinces me that you are going to help me hit those goals. After all, Okay. That shopper cannot tell that your pickled onions are really delicious just by looking at the jar. At Byright, our shoppers assume that everything we put on the shelf is delicious, right? I still talk about it in the present tense. Like I'm there. That's how devoted I am to Byright. I love, I love them. So, so that was the baseline for everything that we decided to stock. So your pitch had to go way beyond the fact that your product is tasty or sustainably made, right? Okay, so that is buyer truth number one. That fact that your product is delicious, the fact, that fact as a whole, that fact that your product is delicious has very little to do with whether or not I decide to carry you. When you are stuck in this belief that your product's the best ever, you don't craft a pitch that is of much interest to a buyer. Okay, now onto truth number two. I won't work with you if you are annoying. There. I said it (laughs) when I was a buyer, I would get about two dozen new brands pitching to me every single week, which meant that I really had my pick for our shelves as a buyer. This meant that I could select the best of the best for our store, carefully curating our assortment and ensuring that I was choosing the brands that were best in line with our store's values and most likely to hit my financial goals as a buyer. But what does that mean for you as a producer? Well, it means that if I, if I have any indication that you are going to be annoying to work with, I'll just move along to the next brand. This is the tough love I told you I was going to give you. So I need to tell you that I, I did feel a little bit mixed about sharing the secret so publicly on the podcast today, but I do think that it needs to be said. Buyers want to do business with easygoing, trustworthy, reputable vendors. If you seem like you're going to be a pain in the butt to do business with, why would I waste my time getting into that challenging relationship? So what what is annoying to a buyer? I know that's your next question, right? What does it mean to be a challenging vendor? Well, it's different for each buyer. After all, we we each have our own pet peeves, <laughs> but there are some universal truths to being a great business partner. And I would see them ignored. Every day when I was a buyer, it was shocking. I'm just going to rattle off a few for you guys. Show up on time to your buyer meetings. Don't take more time than you were promised. Don't assume I'm going to taste side by side with you. Don't swing by unannounced in the bit, bit, ugh, excuse me, in the middle of my busy work day. Don't call me when I'm trying to hit my order deadlines. Don't pitch to me during the fourth quarter. Don't email me during the week of Expo West. Don't assume that I've tried your samples. Don't assume that I've even received your samples. Don't tell me where to merchandise your product, assuming that you know my store better than I do. Don't say anything that makes me the bad guy or the gatekeeper to your success. Now, I know I just gave you a whole bunch of don'ts, and that's not typically my style, (laughs) but it's important that you hear these truths. We talk all about how to navigate these don'ts and what to do instead in retail ready. And you have to learn these subtleties in order to find success on shelves. So long story short, the buyer has their pick of who to put on their, on their shelves by showing up respectfully yet confidently, and realizing that it's a long-term relationship, you are one step closer to getting them to trust you and to say yes to carrying your product. All right, I'm going to pause for a quick break and we'll be back with secret number three in just a moment. If you've been enjoying these episodes, imagine what it would be like to ask clarifying questions directly to me and to have my assistants working through your strategy on these topics. Well, you can. My Retail Ready students have access to me live in our private online group and on our monthly coaching calls, and I would love to see you in there as well. Retail Ready enrollment opens again soon, so jump on the wait list in today's show notes or at foodbizwiz.com and save your spot. All right. The last secret that I want to tell you is this. You don't have to have the highest sales in your category. You just can't have the lowest. (laughs) I wanted to end this episode with some good news and it's exactly this. You don't have to be the best. You just can't be. The worst. (laughs) I'm laughing a little bit as I say this, but it's totally true. Let me explain a little bit more about why I say this. When buyers want to bring in new products or change up their assortment in a category, either because they've done a category review or because a brand has convinced them outside of a category review schedule that they should carry your products. So when that buyer wants to bring a new product, it means that they often have to make room on their shelves for that new brand. In order to make physical space on the shelf, a buyer often has to discontinue another product in order to do so. If we go back to that buyer's original goal of meeting their sales numbers or financial targets, you know, buyers are numbers people. We understand that a buyer is naturally going to discontinue the slowest selling product in your category, right? Does That make sense. So because they're placing a bet that, that your new product that, that they're going to bring in is going to capture more sales than what they currently have on the shelf, they're always discontinuing the slowest selling product. So what does the buyer do? They look at their sales numbers and they decide to cut the slowest moving product in the category, which brings me back to my point. As long as you're not the slowest, You are in the clear. And as I said before, you don't have to be the fastest selling product. You just can't be the slowest, okay? (laughs) And what if there's a tie, right? Often I looked at my sales data and there were brands that were just neck and neck in that slowest position. So what happens when there are a few brands that have equally slow sales in a category? Well, that is going to bring me back to secret number Two that I just told you guys, as a buyer, I'm going to discontinue the brand that is harder to deal with, that brand that is more high maintenance or more annoying than the other. Got it? Okay, there you have it. Three things that I wish I could have said to brands when they came knocking on my door. How did this land with you guys? I am sharing my buyer secrets daily within Retail Ready, and I've got a ton more where that came from. So let me know if this was valuable to you guys. So let's recap, and then we'll wrap this up. Here are the three things that I wish I could have told all brands when I was a buyer. Number one, I don't care that your product is delicious. If you are crafting a pitch based off the taste of your product, you will always go. You're, you will always be limited in your fire success. Number 2 was I won't work with you if you are annoying. <laughs> oh man, this one's hard to hear, right? I can't tell you how many vendors I ignored, how many emails I deleted or how many how many brands I said no to just because they seemed like high maintenance brands. Don't let this be you, okay? And then number 3. You don't have to have the highest sales in your category. You just can't have the lowest. You don't have to be the best. You just can't be the worst. <laughs> so let's continue the convo in my Food Biz Wiz Facebook group. I would love to see you over there. You can find our community linked in the show notes or directly at Food Biz Wiz. That's B I Z W I Z Com. So I'm going to be back here next week with an episode that I'm really excited about. I am joined by Michaela Wright, and we are talking about driving sales through SEO optimization and Google's free tools. I've never found someone who makes such a daunting topic so approachable. So if you're wondering about that confusing world of SEO and Google Analytics, you are going to love next week, episode number 56. So I will see you there. And until then, stay busy. Thank you for listening to Food Biz Wiz, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you never miss a beat. Hungry for more? Check out www.foodbizwiz.com. That's food, B-I-Z-W-I-Z.com for detailed show notes from all episodes. Thanks again for tuning in and stay busy.